But first this morning, in April of this year, Sligo and DCU footballer Red Oak Murphy seemed to have the world at his feet. A loving family, a devoted girlfriend and a great circle of friends. Teammates in a sport he loved and a teaching career that he looked born to excel at. He was just 21 years old. And Red Oak's parents, Redmond and Geraldine Murphy, join me now to tell me about their son. Good morning to you both and thanks so much for coming in today. Thank you, Mary. Listen, many will have read your wonderful interview with Malachy Clerkham, that great writer in the Irish Times recently. But can I ask you first, tell me a little about your Red Oak. I know he was the eldest of three boys, Geraldine, but what was he like? He was always lively. I would describe him as being very lively from the minute like um, he was born, he was lively. But I suppose we should start at the beginning. When I was pregnant with Red Oak, um, it was a difficult pregnancy, but we had a great gynaecologist, if I may mention him, David Corr in the yeah. Bonds in Cork. And he looked after us and all the staff in the Bonds looked after us so well in Cork. And like Red Oak was a miracle that we had him from day one. So, um, yeah, and then throughout the years, he like he was he was always busy, and Reverend would take him off. I mean, he would. I remember one time we came to Dublin on a trip, and we were staying in a hotel, and we had Ushin at the time. But of course, Red Oak was up at five o'clock in the morning, and Reverend had to take him off to the Phoenix Park to play with the deers or see the deers, just to occupy him. And uh, yeah, so he was a lively chap, but a good-natured boy. Yeah. And Reverend, did he always love football? Yes, as far mm. as we can remember back, early days, I began to think, you know, he'll never play football. So when he was six and seven, you know, he just, just yeah. he was very normal at the football. And from there he excelled in. But uh, yes, he, he loved the football and we loved it. We were a Reggae family, you know, so mm. we followed it and took all our kids to all the matches and Sligo matches and any other matches we could go to. So he was part of that from a very young age. And what teams did he play with from a very young age? He would have played with the, the local school. So we, uh, my lot is, is part of where the lads went to school. And where is that? That's in um, just outside Tupper Curry in Sligo. It's, it's a half parish of Curry. And uh, he started to play football there. Towards the, he's, you know, competitively uh, and, and towards the end of his fifth and sixth class. So he, he began to, with a group of other young lads his age, began to excel at the football. They, for a small school, they were very successful. And were you aware as well, Geraldine Young, that he was such a talented footballer? Well, yes, we we knew he was very athletic yeah. and that he he was good. I mean, he had great pace and he had great skill. And um, yeah, we, we did. But we like, he wouldn't have thought anything of it, nor did we. Like, you know, we just, it was like we just got on with it and we went to matches. And if he played bad at a match, <laughs> I'd, I'd tell him he played mat- bad. And Reverend would talk to him uh, as well after the, every match that they would have a big discussion. But I mean, some parents would say, God, you're, you're very hard on him. But I mean, I'd say, well, when they play good, I tell them they play good. And when they're bad, and that goes for the other two as well, you know, I just tell them so they can improve. And he was a bit of a perfectionist, is that right, himself? Yeah, yeah. Like, what? A, like everything that he had, to, like everything that he, he went, put his hand to, he was successful at it, but he worked and worked at it. And I mean, I mean, we said to Malachi, like even up in the room when he was studying, not just with football, but with academically as well, when he'd be studying, he'd memorise things. He'd write it down on his desk and he'd, he'd memorise it that way. But yeah, but then we would have the discussion with him that like, Nothing in life is perfect, and but mm. that was his problem that he everything had to be perfect. But then, on the other hand, he he gave up everything of himself to everyone, always. Yeah. yeah, and at one point, Redmond didn't he travel to Australia to play football professionally? 
Yes, he did. He, he was playing with the, obviously, in the GA terms, the club is always first. So he yeah. played, he started to compete and, and he excelled at club level. And then he was on the Sligo panel, on the Sligo team. He was a year young on the Sligo team, but he played against Derry in, in a North Ireland quarter final. And Derry played the All Ireland final that year. And he scored 11 points for Sligo out of 15 points on wow. the day. And mm. they lost by a point. So that he got Electric Ireland's mm-hmm. minor star of the week that week. And um, from there, he got a call up to do the AFL combine in Dublin. And from there, North Melbourne met him in Ireland and asked, offered him a professional. Well, he, he went across to Australia for some time and then they offered him a contract. And of course, he wasn't just a great footballer, Geraldine. He also had a blossoming teaching career ahead of him, didn't he? Yeah, I suppose, well, from when he was young as well, he used to interact with, the, like, the local school was up the road and he would be up and down, like, with the boys and girls up there and he would have been involved in the summer in cool camps and they all loved him. But, I mean, at the end of it all, he was a big child himself as they were, you know, and he loved that fun. So you could see that the relationship between them was always good. Mm. And, um, yeah, and he wanted to do teaching. Um, and, and it, I mean, he would have been a lovely teacher. Okay. And he was doing it in DCU, wasn't he? Yeah, DCU yeah. St. Pat's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So all things considered, by April of this year, he was carving out a kind of lovely life for himself. He had a girlfriend he met through his teaching practice. He made the DCU Sigerson team. And life appeared to be great, didn't it? It did, yeah. But I, Miriam, there's one story that's, that's worth telling. Mm. He was very unassuming. So from, from like... There is stages on the, the DCU teams that, you know, he'd have the conversation with us that he was never going to make the team and he'd never make the second year team. And then again, he'd never make the senior team and all of this. But um, to the point, which is a lovely story, and I think um, David Clifford, mm. from a young age, David Clifford was his hero, you know. So from that perspective, they played UL in Limerick in the, in the league semi-final. And uh, Clifford was playing with, with UL and Red Oak was playing with DCU. Yeah. And on the night, he tells the story, he told us going home. This is this is what he used to tell. You know, I, I wanted to shake David Clifford's hand, you know, but I was I was going to try and be cool about it, you know. <laughs> so I, I, he said, I'll make my way across the pitch, you know. And uh, eventually he came to David and David reached out. He said, Red Oak, great game. He knew my name, he oh. said. You know, and for him, that was brilliant. That's sad at all, really, yeah. yeah. And that's, that he was so unassuming that, you know, you reckon David Clifford would never... Would I'm never no acknowledge him. But then he's following the National League final. When Kerry won the National League final this year, mm-hmm. they bet Mayo won the final. Dear Geraldine's <laughs> county. But he said after the match, it's well recorded, where he said mm-hmm. he, he was thinking, Kerry G.A. were thinking of Red Oaks family in Sligo. Mm. He's then, a lovely guy, David Clifford. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. He also, remember once he broke someone's wing mirror, Geraldine? It kind of says a lot about him as well. And it's a, it shows us the kind of person your Red Oak was. Yeah, that was um, in more recent times. And he was in some shop in Dublin. And he came out and he, put a, he hit the, his door off the other door and broke the wing mirror. So he was there. Oh, he was in a, a bit of a tizzy as to what he would do. And um, then he, he was saying, like, he was holding on, thinking that somebody would come back. And then I, in the end, I said to him, Red Oak, you could be there all night waiting for somebody to come back. I said to them, nobody comes home. But in the heel, I said, will you just go home? But he didn't. He had to write a note and leave his name and his number on it for them to contact yeah. him. Just so conscientious. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose he wouldn't like that it to be done to him. So, uh, you know, the way, somebody to go off and leave his mirror broke. Yeah. 
So, a remarkable young man. Now, let's go to April, if you don't mind, of this year, Redmond. What happened that day? What do you remember of that? Routinely, we would talk to all the lads every day. Both of us, I working in Dublin and Geraldine would be from home and working in Dublin. So that particular night, when I'd finished work in the evening, when we have five, half five, I'd always ring the lads. I'd ring Ger, I'd ring Oshin, Dahi and Red Oak. So part of the, the call was I was ringing Red Oak and he was telling me he was, I said, we'll meet for a coffee because my evenings are, are somewhat idle. So he said, uh, no, I'm not tonight, Dad, I'm, I'm a bit tired. And that was it. I didn't took the mm. only thing I suppose that we'd always watch out for is emotion in their voices, you know, that they were stressed or they were worrying around them. And there certainly wasn't any emotion in his voice at that stage that night. He was very calm. He was just a bit tired and, and I didn't take any exception to, you know, or chat or to that effect. And did you chat to him as well? Yes. Like? Yeah, I, I chatted to him after Redmond and um, like he was all excited about the weekend. He was coming home. Rachel was coming home. They were going to visit um, his granny in Galway and then they were going to Egypt and Sligo, which he loved his fashion, his style. So they were heading off down to Egypt to the boys to get sorted for Monday night where the awards were on in Limerick. And like, OK, the teaching, he was out in teaching practice and like he was, we have heard since, it can be stressful. Mm. But um, like he had sent in his work plan for the next day. He'd run out of ink. He had contacted the teacher to say, would she print it off for him? Because he, so like there was nothing, nothing. And I mean, him being tired, that was fine. You know, that was, that was nothing, there was nothing unusual enough. about that. Yeah. And um, then later on that night, again, which would be kind of normal, I just text him, say, are you all right or whatever? And um yeah, uh, he just said, oh, I said, well, I'll ring you back. And he said, no, no, he said, I'm, I'm going to sleep. And at 20 past, 17 minutes past 10, actually, to be precise, he, he texted me and he said, night, ma'am, I'll chat to you tomorrow. And then what happened? I, as you know, I was in mm. Dublin and unusual for me to be in Dublin Friday because I'd normally work my Tuesday to Thursday and I'd, I'd go home Thursday night. <clears throat> but on this occasion, I, I worked the Friday and um, at about, I suppose, in around 12 o'clock that day, Oshin would begin to ring around to myself and Geraldine to say that Rachel had contacted him to say he wasn't in the school because Rachel and Red Oak were in the same school by accident in the placement. Rachel's his girlfriend. Yeah. So Rachel had texted Oshin to say that he wasn't at school and then Oshin was concerned as we were because he's normally very, very reliable and regular, you know, so... From that, then Oshin had taken on to ring security and check his room and check the car park to see if his car was there. And it went from there then. So they progressed to the room and, and to, to the to discovery. And in the meantime, then I was travelling across from Turlstone, where I work. And uh, my the, the site lead where I work came with me. We, I was concerned. I was we were really concerned at that point because it was totally out of out mm-hmm. of out of uh, character. So we went up and again, Oshin was ringing security. He was getting the messages back. But in the meantime, then he had been informed that Red Oak was found and that he'd said to me that the footballers, uh, Reds with the footballers and uh, because a number of the lads would have been looking for him. And I said, is he alive? And he said, no, he's dead. So that was it. Then that started the probably in shock for the first few minutes and then I wanted to go to see him. So lucky enough now, the guards were very good to me. So he was in the bedroom and, and mm. I went into him. I spent, probably don't remember the length of time, but I was probably there an hour, an hour and a half, and I was definitely in the room. And, you know, huge thanks to me. My site lead, without ever calling his name out, but uh, he was with me all the time. 
mm. during that. But it was great. I, I felt great that I, I stayed with him, you know. It, it was, it was a, something I look back on fondly. And how, how do you deal with that? I mean, people always wonder, but does it seem real at the time, Redmond? Or, like, or are you numb? How do you feel at a moment like that when your beautiful son is dead? Um, I suppose the, the question was, we're in shock, both of us in shock, because Yoshin had, had, in the meantime, had informed Geraldine of the same poor Oshin. Mm-hmm. And um, we had spoken at that stage, then the two of us, before I actually went to the room. So we were in shock. I suppose that the questions you asked him is like, why why did you do it, Radoki? You know, you talked to him. Why did you do it? You know, what was wrong? Like, he could tell us about everything. Like... Anything there was even a speeding ticket. If he ever had one, you know, he'd ring. He'd say, "Do you think I got a speeding ticket?" And they'd say, "Well, how do I know if you got a speeding ticket or not?" I'd say, "Did you see the van?" You know, that's mm. the kind of conscious he, he was of of everything. But um, it, it was just the shock of it all. It, it just and then, like in fairness, he was at school, and that's a separate. But Oshin, is Oshin's words to me was, "Dad, I'm coming up. Don't do anything stupid. I'm coming up." So he was in Limerick and he drove to Dublin mm. and brought me home then at that point. When, and when he's only, was. how old is Oshin? <clears throat> Oshin is 20. 20. 20. And obviously for my listeners, because I know the story and obviously we won't go into any detail, but he had died by suicide. When did you hear and how did you hear, Gerald? Well, Oshin rang me at 12 o'clock and he said to me, um, Ma'am, he said, have you heard from Oshin? And I said, I heard from Red Oak today. Mm. And I said, no. I said, sure. I said, well, I wouldn't be hearing from him at this time mm. of the day. I said, he's mm. in school. I said, if he did, and he said, no, ma'am. He said, he's not at school. And then as soon as I had heard that, I knew that there was something wrong because that wouldn't be Red Oak style, mm. not to say he, that he was, that he was, if he was sick, he'd have called mm. in and said, I'm sick. And especially with Red Oak or with Rachel, because the two of them going out. But yet when the two of them were in the school, nobody knew that they were going out with I each other it. because they like, they, that wouldn't be professional. So um, then Oshin, I said to like that about going to the car park, the security. So he checked when he got all that sorted and he rang me back. Then it's, I worked as a secretary in the school and all my the staff were there with me um, while I was waiting for the news. And um, they came in that Oshin rang me and said, no, that they had found him and that he was dead. And he had no history of any mental illness. It's nothing, Brad. Nothing, no, nothing. In, in fact, of all the three, we would have thought, well, Dahi's our youngest son, and he's very independent, he's a real mm. character. Um, but um, Oshin is pretty quiet, and, and sometimes mm. it's, you know, he, he acknowledges that he's, he's a bit hard to read. But Red Oak kind of wore his heart in his sleeve all the time, like, you know, if he, somebody upset him, he tells me he upset him, you know. So he was very honest about his, mm. whatever he had, he, he wore on his sleeve, so... We wouldn't have, in any way, shape, or form, have known that. Uh, and and I suppose the the fact that he had everything, he was going to, mm-hmm. he potentially could have gone to America for the summer, playing football with um, Donegal, Boston Donegal, is it? Mm-hmm. And um, like he had work, he worked in building sites over the previous summers. Like he, he was, you know, he was out there, and he was. Yeah. And for anyone like looking in from the outside, they were saying like <clears throat> that he had it all. Yeah. So. And like he it did just have show, it all. Yes, and he did have it all. But it just shows you don't know what's going on in anybody's head. And that's the scary thing, how many more are out there like him that's covering it up. That's, you know, it's so important to talk. You really want to say that, don't yeah. you, Gerald? Yeah, yeah. Very much so, yeah. yeah. 
and especially at this time of the year. I think everybody is so busy now and the pace of life are back again, going crazy. But like this is the time of year where a lot of people are at their breaking point. Mm. And as I said, you know, you have to be kind to everybody you meet along life's way because you don't know what's going on in their head. But most importantly, be kind to yourself. Mm. I suppose to add to that, Mary, we we had lived a life like with our kids that were with them at every every match. Even we travelled to Torles last Christmas, Geraldine's birthday, for a challenge match, three and a half hours for a challenge match against Tipperary. DCU were playing Tipperary. So we did everything. So I suppose the important thing to, that we say is there's no second guessing that we weren't very close to them and mm. to all our sons. They, we were and we talked to them every day. The fact is that he couldn't share with us, even that he shared everything else, he still couldn't share with us what, what was what was troubling him and why he might have been going on in his head. And that particular night, it could be very, at that time, it could have been very instantaneous. instantaneous. Mm. But at that point, he wasn't able to reach out then. You know, he, he couldn't see a way out. It, it, it's the, the, for all, and tragedies happen in different families for different reasons, car crash and whatever. Mm. But it's, if there's any sign or anything that's not right in your head or you're thinking, you know, dark thoughts, mm. then it is definitely time just to pick your closest friend, your nearest friend, your most trusted person and say, look, I'm not feeling great today. You know, I have this going on in my head. You know, what should I do? Can I help? What do you think? You know, something like that, because to reassure that anybody that listens to this show, mm. we thought we knew everything that was in his head and we did apart from his deepest worries mm. or, or, or concerns. I think that is so important. I'm conscious of people listening who who this might be a very important message for this morning, Geraldine. Maybe they are feeling down. Yeah, but like the, the hope that we have is that they would talk to somebody if mm. they do feel that way. Like there are people there to help them or even if it's only a friend or a, a mammy or a daddy, like just to help them to get through it. Yeah, it's important. It's important that they talk. And appeal to them that, you know, Geraldine said in the article and so true that he mm. never hurt us. He never, ever hurt us because we were very close. So especially mm. his mother. So it, it wasn't intentional. And whatever happened mm. at that point, he wasn't able to reach out. He wasn't able to say. Yeah. We like. I mean, he was a planner, but definitely we don't believe that he planned this. From a, from a light-hearted thing, like Monday night, it's sixth and team of the year, the Monday night in Limerick. The, mm. was like he was there with Mr. Clifford again <laughs> in the 15 and that would have been his night of glory. He would have been dressed to the nines. He'd have ever the suit, tie, shoes, everything done for that night and he would have been looking forward so much for that night. So all of the things, mm, so positive, to, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so positive that... that but even with him, like different people would have asked him to do clips for football, for school, for different and, and all of those videos that we have seen since, like the, there's not no negativity whatsoever. Mm. It's all positive, positive to keep working at, at skills or whatever it be. But there was nothing ever negative in it. It was just to kind of keep plodding on and get on with it. That things might be rough for a while, but you just keep pushing on and you'll get there. And that was his message. And I feel that this is he would want this message to be sent out as well from us now mm. to, you know, to tell people to talk. 
This beautiful young man as well. I mean, just uh, all the pictures are just glorious of yes. them, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, it is. But you wanted to say as well, Geraldine and Reverend, how amazing people have been to you, haven't they? You, you were telling me stuff before we came in here. About yeah, well, the day that Red Oak actually died and I was at home, I was at work and then I went home. But like within um, half an hour, I mean, there were people in my house, our house, and um, they were coming with groceries and they were com- everything was coming in the back door like to the house before ever Redmond had arrived home from Dublin and that week Redog died on the Friday and we had to wait until the Wednesday for him to come and then he was buried on the Friday but that week my people said God it must have been a long long week for you but and it wasn't if we could say it was a lovely week it was a lovely week because there were the house was always full of youngsters of every yeah. sort Every they were all they'd go up to his bedroom they'd look around and like the neighbours then like they just took over and they made teas and coffees and as I said we Managed came the funeral. everything like they like they were so good and like we came to Dublin to um, DCU to a ceremony uh, for him on the Tuesday night and went back and the house was absolutely gleaming as I said I've never seen a house so clean in all my life and I mean I have got some lovely uh, cups and saucers left behind as well <laughs> but um, I'm sure the owners will come back some at some stage to take them but yeah people are good and even now people are still very good to us not that they're pouring in the door or whatever now but we know that they're there if we need them and that's important too. That keeps us going too. Yeah. I know maybe, Mary, the wrong word will be old-fashioned, but mm. we have we we have a Catholic upbringing, but yeah. we are we have a good faith, and very much that week as well. Our local parish priest, he was very much to the fore with us in in you know in mm. coaches, you know, just I suppose helping us with the, the tragedy of it all and, and being there for us and, and different elements. Now all our families, like it goes without saying that my family and Geraldine's family and the wider family were with us all the way. That goes without saying. They were there from day one and were there all through. And all the neighbours and the club were very good to us. Like it's un- the funeral itself was unbelievable from, from where the club and the community had, had organised. But um, that week, day and night, singing songs, drinking, like I'd get up, like obviously our sleeping patterns would be all over the place. But you get up to the kitchen, two or three were making tea and coffee, another one was singing a song. And, and that's the way it was all through the night all week. It was just a celebration. You know, they, they were all together. Everyone that knew more the young lads and, and, and our lads and, and everybody were together and just coming and going of the house, just paying their respects, doing their thing. And, remembering and, and the good times and, and uh, that's what that week was all about really for us. Celebrating his life really despite the incredible grief and sadness. Wasn't that what you were doing almost? Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. But Red Oak would be the type of person um, that would say if something happened he'd say right it's done move on get <laughs> over we're not making little of what he has done what has happened to him that he has died but like you have to you have we have all the good memories to hold on to and like you just can't let something in the past stop you from moving forward you just have to keep going and um yeah and all the good memories will keep us going and like Redmond said Geraldine do you having faith i found interviewing people down the years who've had to deal with incredible tragedy those who have faith it, it's a, it can be a huge comfort to them Yes, um, on the night before Red Oak, on the Thursday night, and I've told the story to people, 
and before I start, I don't take alcohol, I don't drink. So this, you, I mean, when I tell it, you, people probably say, oh God, she must have drink taken. But I was going to pick the dahi up at the football club and I was passing the school where I work and um, there were lights on in the school. And I thought, oh, the caretaker must have left the lights on. And um, I looked back somewhere in my mirror and in my office, I could see this like a candelabra of blue lights in on the window of my office. And I thought, Oh, what's that? And I said, I'll turn around on the road and I'll go back. And I was driving up towards the, the school and the lights were still there. It was quite visible. I could see them. And um, then I, there was no sign of the caretaker there. So I rang him and I said to him, Look, the lights are on in the school. And he said he'd go back out and turn them off. Now, he didn't have the key of my office. So we were, I went and picked Dahi up and on the way back and I could still see the blue lights. And I said to Dahi, I said, those lights are still on in my office. I said, what are they? And he was... Fooling with his football boots up, but he remembers me saying this to him. So there were no more about the blue lights until the following morning when I went in and I was opening the office and there were some of the staff there and I was saying, there were some blue lights on in here last night. I said, I'm nearly afraid to go in and see what they were. And they were coming behind me to see. There was nothing, nothing, no blue light at all in the office. So I believe that to me, that was a token from Our Lady. It's like the candelabra that was around Our Lady's head. And I do believe that um, that was a token from her that like, that night he couldn't have been saved, that his time was up, the Red Oaks. Wow, yeah. Time was up. And I get comfort from that. Yeah, that's an amazing story. It's the same for us, for me. Yeah. He's just on the road ahead of us. He's in a spiritual form as part of our family now and not the physical form. That's the way we, that's the way I... I yeah, we look at it that way. I mean, we we're, we're a family of five. We still are a family of five. And we celebrate and we look. So for, for again, parents that are so heart, heartbroken, you know, mm. it's a case that we focus it all on the positives. Like if, if I'm feeling a downer, I'll watch his matches. And now we're blessed that he, he, he was gifted as well as, as our other two sons. But it's the memories that we, we hold on to and, and that he's he's just on the road ahead of us. That's all he is. Like we meet and he's with us every day. That's what we believe. Like, Yeah, which is a lovely way of yeah. dealing with it. Mm-hmm. And your two other sons, Dahi and Oshin, Oshin how are they? They're good. Yeah. Yeah, they'll have their day. More than all four of us, we'll have our bad and good days. Mm. But uh, it's just been there for each other. And obviously now, Geraldine, you're preparing for your first Christmas without your red oak. He loved Christmas, didn't he? Yes. He was a big child at heart and he <laughs> loved Christmas. And he had this tree. He would have to decorate it. Does it have to be decorated properly? So, I mean, this year we said, yes, the trees will go up. And the lights will be on. We'll keep to the tradition and we'll do what he would want because he loved it. And he had this thing of getting up at five o'clock in the morning, waking the whole house up to go down and see, even at 21 years of age, to just to to share the presents and to see what was there. So, and yes, we will be up again this year, hopefully at five o'clock. Well, look, Redmond and Geraldine, I know it's not been easy to come and talk about your beautiful son, Red Oak. I'm so sorry for what happened. And thank you both so much for coming in to chat to me today and for all the great advice for anyone listening who should reach out and talk to someone. Thanks so much for that. And listen, for anyone listening, if you are affected by the any of the issues we've chatted about today, you can contact Pieta House on 1800 247 247. Or the Samaritans by just free phoning 116123 or you can text HELP, the word HELP, to 51444. Geraldine Redmond, thanks so much and a happy Christmas to you both. Sunday with Miriam on RTE Radio 1.